from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Oops, you did it again. <laughs> you just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. And this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Today, we're going to be chatting about personal branding. First, though, remember, please download the Shark Bite Biz app on the Android Google Play Store. If you have an Android device, you can find every single episode of the show, both audio versions, video versions, everything's right there. Plus, if you hit that little menu tab, you'll find the coffee store where you can find our amazing coffee, the freshest coffee known on earth, Dead House Coffee right there on the app. Or you can head right on over to deadhousecoffee.com and please make sure you use the code SHARK. You'll get 20% off of your order. We'll get all the proceeds to grow this channel to make it the biggest, the best, the greatest show we possibly can. Now let's get back to today's show. We're going to talk about personal branding and how that is the foundation to a successful career. And we'll also be chatting about how ignoring your personal brand will actually have a negative effect to your business. Yes, your businesses. R-O-I. So, who do we have today? None other than Claire Bond. Claire Bond is the personal brand strategist and the CEO and founder of Claire Bond Group. She helps high-achieving entrepreneurs, investors, founders, and executives create magnetic personal brands to increase their visibility, deal flow, and opportunities. So, hey, Without further delay, let's bring Claire right on in here. Personal growth. Claire, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became shark bait. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, David. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, no problem. So we have a tradition on the show. Very first question we ask every single person on this show, okay? What's your history? What's your past? What are you doing now? What, you know, how'd you get there? Basically, tell us in a nutshell, what makes Claire, Claire? Okay, well, um, so basically right now I'm a personal brand strategist and I have a, essentially um, a company that does omni-channel marketing. We actually kind of act as, a, as a, um, our client's fractional marketing team. And how I got here was um, I started out in the corporate world in New York City, and I did marketing and PR for many years. And then um, I always wanted to get into acting. And what I lacked in acting, acting experience, I had in marketing experience. So I was able to market myself personally brand myself to be able to get jobs. Um, anyone that's ever done anything in the acting world, you know that when you submit yourself, either it's for yourself uh, or through your agent or manager, your um, little headshot shows up. Um, 
And that is what casting directors see. And if you you saw the headshot that I sent you, it has like a bright pink background. I want to make sure that when someone sees many, many thumbnails, they that like it mine pops. They're like, ooh, I think that's Claire's pink. I think that's gonna be a um, you know, I should I should look at this photo. So essentially I want to chop in there real quick, just because first two things. One, I've always wanted to be an actor and I failed, but I did complete the bucket list item. I am in the movie uh, Little Boy. I was, uh, uh, I guess it was a Mongolian, uh, like dressed up in the traditional garb with that. And, you know, there's a scene where you see me with my sickle and it was on Netflix. So that was the other bucket item is, you know, did both of those. But, um, you know, one thing that you just said right there where you were like with, hey, you know, the pink background, I want to pop, I want to stand out. My personal resume, and remember, I'm not looking for a job. My day job, Vision 33, super, 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 super secure. But I do have a regular resume out there for people that want to know, hey, who the heck is David Strauss what experience does he have? Why should I listen to his show? And uh, I'll show you the resume afterwards if you want, but I mean, it's beautiful. It's professionally done. It's got graphics and it pops so that if it ever comes across your desk, it's not like one of those black and white, really boring resumes like 99% people do. Yeah, I got my picture there. It's got color. It's got design and it's got creativity. And that's where... Uh, it's kind of bad in a way because I get a lot of people that'll just call me and be like, Hey, you know, the designing resume was just so awesome. We can't afford you, but would you consider just talking to us and seeing if we can work out a deal? You know, that happened to me many times in the past. Well, it makes a big difference. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I learned, you know, I, I knew how to market myself. So I started getting jobs and, a lot of um, actors started coming to me and I started branding them. Um, then with my co-founder, I started a, a business called Online Profile Pros, where we essentially branded people for online dating and for LinkedIn. And then while I was pitching my business for funding in San Francisco, I met an angel investor named Jason Calacanis. And he essentially was like, you should personally brand people. And I never really thought about it. And then after that podcast went live, I had people coming to me going, oh, I heard your personal branding. I heard your personal branding. So essentially 2019 is where this whole thing started. My very first client was an angel investor. We have a lot of investors and people in the whole startup space, but that's essentially how it started. People essentially were drawn to the fact that they, they essentially wanted what I had. They wanted how I personally branded myself. And that is how I got here is essentially learning how to do it. And and then people are like, uh, "Can you do that for me?" That's amazing, but I'm 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 sorry, Claire. I cannot allow you to escape this follow up okay, question. Okay, okay. You branded people for Tinder. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Not, I, me, not me personally. We had a team <laughs> okay. of people. I was a I was a CEO, so I'm not branding <laughs> anybody. I'm not. I wasn't doing that. But yeah. But we would. We had. Um, <laughs> We basically Explain have packages that because I mean yeah. that's funny that that just sounds the, funny on the surface. The business still Tell exists. Us. 
if anyone's interested, they can go to onlineprofilepros.com. Basically, we have packages with like dating coaching, profile writing, and photography. So we will get you ready to go on dates. And that's what there we, you so go. new photos, new profiles, right. and then you're, you have a dating person. Because inevitably, when people kind of come down the pike, they, they have issues they need to work out that, to be a better dater. And that's what the dating coaches are. So, but yeah, so <laughs> to we be a better dater. I, I've got to admit, I've never met somebody that worked on, uh, uh, you know, creating Tinder profiles. I never, I, you know, I kind of, kind of imagine that that would be a thing. I mean, wasn't there like uh, a movie back when where it's like the dating coach type guy? And I, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it would make sense that you would have people that, Hey, this is how you optimize your Tinder profile. I guess, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I find it fascinating. I mean, there's, I mean, people have expertise really in so many things, right? You, you, you learn the hard way because you did it and it didn't work or whatever, however you kind of got to that path you're in. And then there are people that are like super busy and they're like, I don't have time to build a profile. I want somebody to kind of cut to the chase, tell me what I need to do to do it right so that I attract the right person. Um, Because there is is a really, I mean, for so many things, there's a formula, right? There's a right way and a wrong way. And a lot of people don't really know um, how to present themselves. They may kind of, yeah, they may be like, oh, I should be real, I should be this. And you're like, well, maybe you kind of keep the real (laughs) for a little bit later. Let's like, like, you know, show a little more of a polished side at first never fake but you know it's like a resume exactly and that's what i was going to pivot to uh you know tinder to resumes because it is all personal branding i mean it surprises me especially if you get into places like the tech world think of the super geek developer programmer out there they really think of themselves as in a way a cog and a machine for a big tech company or whatever they may think but when they go out for an interview that's kind of what they feel like hey i can do x for you you give me y and that's it but they don't actually Think about their interviewing as a sales process, you know, the personal branding aspect of it. And that's one of the big themes that we have on the show is like constantly be selling yourself, you know, personal branding. That's why I started the show. I mean, I used to network all the time. Yeah, I mean, but but it's a soft sell. It's not like this hard sell. It's a soft sell. You become a, a, you know, a magnet for opportunities because you're sharing your expertise. You very, you're very polished. You, you um, are showing your authority. You're gaining authority. So there's so many things that you can attract to you just by really putting, you know, being polished, being professional, um, putting your best foot forward, all that kind of stuff. And the thing that's amazing is that, you know, I, I tell this to a lot of people that there's so many people that don't focus on this. So when you are out there looking for a job, I mean, we actually, I, I just went through a round of, of interviews and I actually, the, the, you know, a couple of the people that I, that I, I love their resumes, they had exactly what you were talking about with the resume where, you know, it looks really good. There's a photo. It's just very polished. I mean, these are marketers. It should be slick. Um, 
And, and all of these things go into, if you think of what a brand is, is a brand is how someone feels about a, a business, a person, whatever it is, that is your brand. That is what you mean when you go into the world, when you, people see you online. So that I liked their brand. I like the way they're presenting themselves. And I'm like, okay, I can see that they may be a good fit to help me build my brand. And so that's really, really important. If you're like a big tech person, imagine how many people are not doing this well. If you do, you're going to differentiate yourself. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, even when I went for a degree, I, I, I went to college late with Penn State, but I was kind of thinking of it, hey, the sales, business stuff, I've already kind of got that down. Tech, I've already got that down for the most part, too. But for my first degree, what do I want to go for, tech or business? And I'm like, I'm going to go, since I'm focusing on sales, and I have a very proven track record in sales, I'm going to go for the tech degree. Because one, if for some reason I end up really stinking it up, I can always fall back and be a programmer, uh, which I mean, it, it crossed my mind as a plan D or plan E, but really, I never wanted to be a programmer. It was more, I want to understand how that stuff works at a granular level to be able to sell it better. So therefore, I went for the tech degree which uh, coincidentally got me into ERP sales. And, you know, my very first year selling ERP, you know what a ERP is? Enterprise resource planning. So think of things okay. like uh, Microsoft, mm -hmm. Sage, uh, Oracle, yeah. SAP. I used uh, to work for I SAP. There you and you don't know what ERP is? I mean, that's like their main product. I, I did, I did, um, I did sponsorships for them. So basically, we okay. were doing, we did, you know, the Monaco Grand Prix, the Masters. We were doing essentially mm -hmm. event production for them. So yeah, the business side, I didn't have to deal with it. I specialize in SAP and Sage, small to mid-sized business software, business management software. But when I first came into the industry didn't know a lick but on the sales side i knew how to manage a sales cycle okay i knew one it was personal branding as in making sure that the company the prospects the individuals liked you felt comfortable with you trusted you and number two it was how do i manage a sales cycle as far as i'm not the techie person you have to separate the tech from the sales I'm the sales guy. They're going to expect me to say, hey, David, can the software do this? I'm going to say yes, okay? But the actual tech person, the subject matter expert might be like, well, yeah, you can, but you've got to do it this way or that way, you know, workarounds and a real tech answer. So I learned very quickly, separate the two, let the tech, you know, speak for itself. And then I work in a relationship, build that, and then I manage the people that I'm bringing into the sales cycle, as far as say this, not that. And it actually allowed me to get a lot further in life. I mean, my first year set records at Vision 33 for first year sales rep ever. That's never 
been touched by someone brand new to the industry. And it was because I had that tech degree. So I understood how things work under the cover. Did I know exactly how SAP worked? No. And six years in, to be honest, I still kind of don't, but I have the experts that I can rely on to answer those questions and I separate the two. Does that make sense? So that's kind of how I've, you know, been able to sell myself, you know, across a lot of things, whether it's the Forbes Biz Dev Council. I just had an article out there um, not too long ago about uh, how to know if you're good to be a SaaS sales rep for software as a service. That's so hot. And it amazes me at least, I mean, it's been out for over six months and at least still, I just three, four, five days ago, something like that, I had um, a, a woman hit me up and she's like, hey, I've worked in pharmaceutical sales my whole life. Um, I'm thinking of a career change. And that's one thing that we actually focus on on this show because so many people have switched careers midlife. And, you know, I'm talking to her and she's going through and I'm like, well, there you go. You know, like you were selling a platform and a service that had a recurring cause. You actually do have SaaS sales experience. Just when you were selling it, it wasn't called SaaS. It was called something else 10 years ago. You just got to reframe everything. And, you know, I've helped a lot of people out like that. It sounds like that's kind of what, you're out there doing and teaching people how to do in that personal level. Is that true? Um, well, I mean, we have an, it's, we have an agency model, so it's not necessarily me doing it. I, I don't, you know, do all this stuff, but I miss the strategy side of it. Definitely. You're the CEO, but you have yeah. your, your people, your employees, your team that are out there doing these things. Our concierge clients, we definitely, um, I, you know, I am strategy with, with my, you know, we do all the strategy with my, my, uh, co-founder, but yeah, so they do get, get that, um, service from me, but yeah, we have a team that works together to build the brand and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, it is about building that no like, and trust factor and making sure that see, people see them as an expert. They understand what they're about and yeah, that trust has to be built. Yeah, I mean, trust, I think, regardless of what you're doing, is the key thing. I've always said, you know, especially if you come from the sales background, that trust is really the only thing you have. And once you lose trust and or credibility, you know, then you have nothing. It is near impossible to uh, sell anything further, especially if you're in a niche marketplace where For it's sales, very easy. Trust is so yeah. key. It's so key. Oh, definitely, definitely. So let me ask you, you know, personal branding, I think, means a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, it means I'm writing on Forbes, I'm doing a podcast, I do interviews as subject matter expert on business process, uh, automation, stuff like that. What is personal branding to you? Um, essentially, I, I mean, we, I work with a lot of, um, uh, you know, startup founders, angel investors, people like that. So 
and, and small business owners. And one of the biggest things that we want to be, we want to be seen as an expert in our space. When someone thinks I need somebody that's an expert in this, or I want to build a team and, you know, you want to be the first one at the top of mind. So one of the biggest ways to do that is through Google. And I think that is one of the things that people don't, they definitely don't utilize in, in the personal branding space. I feel like that's one of the biggest differentiators with me is that we create content, SEO, the content. And so that's, you know, our clients show up in search and they can attract clients. They can attract opportunities, um, speaking engagements, um, and things like that. So that's one of the biggest things to me. So your personal brand is really how you are seen online. So when someone's doing a ton of, uh, they're doing research and they're finding who's the best in a market. I mean, we literally, my co-founder just got off a call uh, with somebody who wanted to uh, work with us and he's in Belgium because I showed up number one in Belgium. I'm like random, but it's all the work that I, that I put into place, all the content I create, YouTube videos, um, podcasting. When, when you do a search, personal branding, I'm one of the top people. And that's the kind of thing that we do with our clients because that is most people think that if they do a Google search and you come up top, especially if you're on the first page, that you are the expert. They think that, you know, that there's no way to kind of game the system and get on, you know, it's, it's very hard. It is get very hard to get on the, on the first page and you actually do have to be an expert, but so you want to hear my funny story. Sure. Okay. So for many, many years, like essentially my whole life, you search David Strausser. I was the only David Strausser that showed up. Then all of a sudden, when I'm launching the podcast, I do a David Strausser search and I notice like, I'm not even on the first three pages. Like what the hell is going on here? And apparently some other David Strasser decided to become a doctor. So they started putting Dr. David Strasser, you know, before me, even though I've been there forever. I mean, I have articles attributed to me from Forbes. And like I mentioned three times already, you know, I have the SEO and stuff like that. Like that to me was insane. But you know where Dr. David Strausser messed up? And the best part is we both have the same middle initial too. So we're both even Dr. David W. Strausser. Dr. David Strausser never bought drdavidstrausser.com. And he didn't even buy drdavidstrausserMD.com. All those domains, I probably have about $200 worth of variations of Dr. David Strasser, Dr. Dave Strasser, Dr. David W. Strasser.com. And I am very, very, very protective um, as far as, and I put a lot of work but did into you, but it. But did you do that before you knew he existed or only because you knew he existed? So I had the work in there before he existed, uh, but I felt secure. So I may have gotten a little bit complacent, I would say, because I never had to compete before. But once that 
competition came in and because he's a doctor the way google's algorithm works is they were automatically putting him above me let's put it this way okay i now have an office location i'm based out of philly but i also have an office location in woodlands texas now which is where dr david strauss is also located. I have a uh, an actual virtual office location mail and address there for the SEO and set myself up as a business because of that. But slowly after time, it took me about four months. But now, depending who searches and where they're searching from, okay, I may be number one, but I shouldn't be lower than number three. I, I was able to put that hard work in and get within the first three. I mean, is that is that is that good? Is that bad? Am I crazy? No, I mean one of the one of the first steps that I always say is that you should own your name. So that is one of the key things. After owning your name, you should own and that's the, thing. the top search I terms own, around your expertise. So that would be the next. I step. own DavidStrasser.com, and I still wasn't even show. So you search David Strasser, and with owning DavidStrasser.com. I'd be on page eight. And to me, it's like, what the heck, Google? I mean, it's davidstrausser.com. How can you put me on page eight over some random doctor? And I, I fought back. So it was like, hey, I'm reserving the right. You know, I may eventually want to get a PhD in business and tech, whichever direction I decide to go. So I'm not allowing him, I, you know, he didn't buy him. I bought him. I own him. Well, and I, I guess let this be the lesson well to anyone it. listening <laughs> out there. You may have someone like you that's going to go snag their domain. So go and snag it first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, actually, go, go and get your name right now because someone else might get it. <laughs> you, you know what? That is exactly what I did for my kids. Okay. Once I realized that, I registered each one of my kids, their domain name, and now I own their full domain name. You know, it's under my name, but I mean, I don't, they don't care. I have an 18-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 4-year-old. But the point is, is that they own their own .com name that no one else is going to take from them. They may never use it. Or it may be critical in their life. They're too young. I mean, even the 18-year-old the who's a freshman in college, it's too young to tell if FranciscoStrasser.com is ever going to be of importance for him. But he owns it, and no one else is going to be able to take that away from him as long as, uh, you know, the GoDaddy charge goes through every year. There you go. No, that's great. Yeah, it's the, the first step of personal branding is to definitely own your name. So that was a good first step. So why, I mean, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but why does it matter so much if you own your own domain name or not? I mean, I view it as a hurdle. If you don't own davidstrausser.com, then it's going to be a major hurdle to be even on the first page of Google search results. Um, they don't, they don't uh, use that as much anymore. Um, you actually have to have good quality content that is SEO'd properly. Um, so it's, it's not really that, you know, super hypocritical anymore. 
But um, the, one of the biggest reasons to have a domain is because it is your home. You essentially own it, right? You pay for it through GoDaddy. It is your home. You can create content there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just an easy thing. People know your name. They can go and Google it really easily and they can find you. Um, and that's just kind of one of the easiest places instead of some cutesy little, you know, website that has a cutesy name or, um, another thing that I always say to do is if you, you know, you have your domain name, go and get the same name with social media that way across the board, you are easy to find. No one has to come up with, you know, think of a cutesy name or whatever it is, get it across the board. And there you go. You are, you have at least kind of put your stake in the ground and now then you go and create content. So one of the biggest reasons to have your domain is that is your home. That is where your content will live. Um, you're not putting all of your stake into, into YouTube or into LinkedIn or into Instagram because they own those platforms. You don't. We had uh, somebody on the show and his name was Jeff. I believe the last name was Fulkerson. It was Fulkerson or Fulkerson. I, I believe it's Fulkerson. But anyways, he was on the show and, you know, he has like a Afro per se. So his brand name was um, Fro Bro Technologies, I think it was called. And, you know, he kind of casually refers to himself as Jeffro. And the conversation that we had, which coincidentally was his first ever podcast interview which is cool because he's done so many since then but we referred to him i'm like dude i mean there's probably a, like I, I did a google search sharing the screen and i'm like look how many jeff fulkerson's there are okay um now jeff fro fulkerson's not so many okay there's none okay do the jeff Rowe. differentiate yourself to be original and that's going to give you a unique space and he's like there it is i'm debuting today as jeffro so we went with jeffro and it, it seems to have worked out pretty good for him yeah i mean even you know he had the, the kind of cutesy name for his business but are you going to do that for the rest of your life is that business name going to be with you for the rest of your life you know you have your name <laughs> so go and go and lock that in so that you have options you know, we're we're talking about your name, your branding, uh, how visibility is on the internet, SEO, you know, credible links, all that stuff. So maybe it's a good time to talk about the negatives of that. Uh, in terms of, you know, like why you can't hide from your personal brand anymore, or if you go out there and you do something bad, you know, you go on some kind of tirade or rant or something like that, that it's so much easier to associate it to you and it can bring you down as well too. And you have to be careful on the internet. Yeah, well, I mean, first, most people don't do a Google search on themselves, so they don't know where they show up. So one one of the problems could be, yeah, they, you, you don't show up on the first page. There's some other random person that shows up higher than you, and that could be a really pro big problem, especially if you're a business owner or something like that. Like, you don't show up, that's a problem. People wonder why. Quick question. 
how often how often do you google search yourself um our team has a search console so we are constantly searching and, and we know where our all of our keywords rank i mean i think i rank for like something like a thousand keywords so we're always searching because we're a marketing agency but <laughs> Okay, that's something that you're constantly doing. On an average person, what would you say? How how often should an average person Google their name? At least once a year, if not a couple times a year. I mean, for your average person, unless you're pumping lots of content, you're really not going to see something change. But as as a like me doing a podcast, I'm doing it at least once a week, if not multiple times a week. But that's different than the average person that. Well, I don't know that you're necessarily your name. The search on your name is necessarily going to change all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it it may, I don't know if a a week is that valuable. So maybe, yeah, maybe like once a month, I think could be pretty solid. For an average person? No, you're talking about for for you. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it, it changes frequently. I mean, depending who I have on the podcast or if I wrote an article or whatever it may be, I need rankings change quarter. Yeah. It's, I just don't know that it's necessarily, I I'm going to be honest. The ranking for your name is probably not as important as the ranking for your expertise. So that's the kind of thing where I probably want to search that more because that's more of a win. So I want to show up. I mean, my, my top search results are, you, you know, personal branding um, examples, personal branding statement, things like that, personal branding consultant, personal, those kind of things. And that's how people find me. Those are the things that are going to be better than when someone searches my name, because those are the ones that are, that are attracting the people that are in, they are currently searching for a solution to a problem and I'm their answer. And they're not going like, Oh my God, where is Claire Bond? She's my answer. They're just like, I need a personal branding expert. Find me one. And I show up. So that's actually more important than your name. So I know we've gotten focused on the name. And while it's important, I really don't. Is the expertise. And that makes that makes total sense. To me personally, I've been more focused on the name because I've been battling it out with Dr. David Strasser in Woodland, Texas. But uh, I also, you know, because of the show, stuff like that, I find that a lot of people just search for the name David Strausser. And, you know, you're bringing up a good point. And this is probably something that I've forgotten as I was working on my personal name was the expertise that I specialize in and getting ranked back up on that stuff as well too so that when people search for things like business process automation experts stuff like that that they're finding david strauser associated with those those results i think for me personally and i don't mind using myself as an example i think that is the perfect example of 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 something that i've kind of overlooked and i think our audience you know can really think about that themselves to apply that to their lives. Now, there was something else that you were gonna say. Yeah, go and get that domain, go and get those social media handles that are, that are the same and create content um, that, that essentially people are, are currently looking for answers for, right? So I've we did searches and we're like, wow, personal branding examples and personal branding statements. There's a lot of, I mean, I have a ton of, of 
content on my website that I create content for. So, but it we do it based on how much search volume there is. So find out what people are actively searching for in your area. You go to like Uber Suggest, you literally can put in something what you know, a real estate agent, Los Angeles. What kind of things are people looking for in when they're looking for a real estate agent? What are kind of real estate agent questions? Whatever it is, whatever, you know. Uh, expertise they're looking for, that is what you want to create content around. And I literally mean blogs because you have to SEO them on your website. Again, you can, do, you can do YouTube and then on social media. I mean, a lot of people don't think about this, but social media, like Instagram, that is searchable. I can literally go on and I can look up personal branding and people will show up. I can look up any sort of expertise and LinkedIn is the same. And they'll kind of do it based on proximity to you. Um, if you're in those social media platforms. So everything should be SEO. You should really be thinking about your expertise um, as well as your name. No, that, that totally amazing advice. I mean, as you were talking, it was making me think that, you know, again, going back, what I did was I set myself up as a, an actual business. I mean, I have businesses that all show for the same address because it's me. Uh, but uh, I set up the David Strasser as well for business process information, software selection experts, you know, ERP, stuff like that. So that way, and I do get phone calls from that because of the fact that, you know, if depending on proximity and various different mysterious Google factors, I might be the business that shows up first in that Google info block as far as, you know, the best match for you. And I get phone calls and I'll tell you, it's, you know, it's hit or miss. It's 50, 50. Hey, yes, actually, this is something I can help you with. Or, you know what? This actually is not my specialty, but you know what? I got a friend that does. Let me introduce you to, and then I pass them on uh, to my network, hoping that one day it comes full circle. But um, that's one of the things that I've done proactively to kind of help me with that. Is that a good idea for a lot of people? You mean to come up with a lot of businesses or and no, and no, no, no. to set themselves or? up as far as you know, like a, a business for the Google search to get that expertise, to get that info block there that displays and stuff? Um, I mean, I don't localize because I don't want to be, I mean, again, I mentioned that we, we don't, I have mm -hmm. clients all over the world. So I don't right. want to localize myself. So I don't do For that. me with Vision 33, I work the Northeast. I work from DC to Maine. That's my territory. If that is pertinent to you, then yes. I mean, any, any additional thing you can do to kind of show up um, is key, but yeah, the, otherwise I would podcast podcast is global. Yeah. The podcast is global. The, my day job though, that's DC to Maine. And that's kind of where I hone those efforts in, uh, set it up as a business to try to get the better ranking for those types of keywords. So let's pivot a little bit here. And, you know, let's talk about how, having a good personal brand how can that help you set the foundation for a successful career because i think a lot of people out there in the audience and we have a lot of young executives out there that watch this show that are just trying to 
figure things out and how to move up the ladder and they're looking for ideas. And one of the common fears that I hear from them is that if they set up this personal brand, you know, think of a 28 year old, for example, maybe they're setting things up to where it seems that they're much more of an expert than what they are. They're setting higher expectations than what they are with the personal brand. And it doesn't lead to an immediate successful career. I mean, how do you balance that out? Well, I mean, if you're, if you are sharing your true expertise and not lying, I don't see how it could hurt you. The The thing is, is like I was saying with the people that I was looking to hire in, in an interview, how they showed up online when you do a Google search, the resumes, all that sort of stuff, that is very, very important. Some of the people that we've, we've hired on the team that because there's a lot of writing and everything like that, they have their own websites and they, they show with some of their writing samples. There's nothing wrong with that. There, that helps me and anyone that wants to work with them, hire them, bring somebody in for a job interview, that helps them kind of go like, oh, you're going to be at the top of the pile. And when, you know, all is equal and you're like, who do I hire? You're going to go for the one that is kind of the go-getter, right? The one that's like, they go a little, they go the extra mile. They, they are putting themselves out there. They're really smart. They're helping people share, you know, by sharing their expertise, giving tips on whatever it is, tech, that sort of thing. Um, and I really like the energy that they're putting out there. I think they will be a good fit for my team. And I think the question is with that right there, exactly what you explained. Okay. They do all of that stuff. Exactly. But the employer, because they're doing all of those things, they may have higher expectations of that person than what reality is. I think that is the fear of what I've heard from some of our younger executives that watch the show. Quite honestly, I've never, never run into this problem ever, ever. No one's ever asked me this question. Oh, so we can class that as a false see, fear. Well, I, I would <laughs> have to see a, you know, a specific example because unless someone was lying, I don't see how that would be seen as bad. If you're lying about your expertise, then that's a problem. If you're putting your authentic self out there and you're, you're, you know, sharing information or whatever it might be. I mean, a lot of, we do work with executives and they're like, we have to be very careful about what we're sharing so that, you know, my business doesn't get mad and that kind of thing. But, you know, like we work with an executive recruiter. And she's like, I have to be very careful. So we're like, great, we're just going to talk about your area of expertise, how other people can position themselves to get these jobs or whatever it is. And your company's not going to be mad because that is your area of expertise. And ultimately, you are attracting future people. You're attracting people to come to you. And so a lot of times it can help a business. So I really, I personally don't see that it could be an issue unless someone lies. Now, I, I think, you know, look at sales reps though. Okay. Like for example, you know, the, the cliche or the saying about how everything's bigger in New York. Oh, it's bigger. It's better. And you know, sales reps oftentimes have, Oh, I was, I was the best, you know, they exaggerate. Where do they draw the line then between exaggerations versus just 
blatantly lying because i mean sales reps their jobs are to sell to spin but it's not to not to lie you know that that's i think it's unethical i think that's very immoral of someone to do but i wouldn't blame somebody for saying that hey you know it's bigger it's it's better you know where do you draw that line I mean, the, the, one of the biggest things is that you have to be, I mean, whenever we bring on a client, one of the biggest things that we do is we say, basically, if you kind of, if you have altruism in your heart, if you want to give and you want to help people, you are the type of person that I want to work with. If you are just in, in for it, you know, you want to, you're, you're obsessed with the numbers, you're obsessed with the number of followers and, and leads and all this kind of stuff, you will not attract really anyone that's of any value because everyone can smell it. So I think quite frankly, that type of kind of, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to lie. I'm going to be um, this kind of person. I don't think they really make it in this world anymore. I think they're having a much harder time. I, I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, when 2020 hit, I had so many personal branding experts out there. One of them actually used to be a trapeze artist. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> when you look at my literal expertise, I'm not, you, you can literally go back. It's not, I'm not faking it till I'm making it, right? So so I think people's ex, people's literal experience and things that you can find out about them, those that's what's gonna stay. So if you are kind of, if you're lying or you're you're exaggerating and that kind of thing, people will know. And they can, you know, they can tell even through this lens. They're like, do I trust her? Does she seem credible and honest? I mean, all of those things that you're taught of, like, is she looking away? Is she doing a little kind of these weird things when we're, when we're kind of getting, you know, pinning you down? People can see that. People can get a gut feeling. And that's the kind of thing that you can't really hide, especially when it's on video. Oh, that's the exact reason why I tell my sales reps during the sale, even though everything's virtual right now, you gotta remember they're selling anywhere from 25 on the low, low end, 25,000, but most deals are probably between 150,000 to 650,000 in that range for your sales. I'm like, Hey, whether they have their cameras on or off, you 100% are having your cameras on because if they're logged into teams, I mean, if they're calling on their phone and they're not on teams or just dialing in, doesn't make a difference. But if they're logged onto Teams, they're seeing your video. I want them to see the authenticity in your face as you're answering them, that you're being genuine, that you're not rolling your eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could do that, you know? And uh, they're seeing your body language because that's going to help you build rapport and it's going to help them see that. Yeah, you know, you're giving them the digital warm and fuzzies that you're telling the truth, that you're not BNSing them, that you're going to provide what you're telling them. I think people, I think people in this current landscape, the ones that are actually authentic, the ones that are actually true, um, the ones that can build that trust, those are the ones that are going to excel. Um, I mean, I can tell you like, you know, I see those like slick dudes on my LinkedIn and they kind of slide into the DMs or like, Hey, I saw that you liked my photo. Let's, you know, do you want to get on a call to chat? I'm like, absolutely not. You're, you're <laughs> creepy. <clears throat> and then you look at what they do. They're like, I'm a sales expert. I'm going to teach you how to do sales. I'm like, you're just telling me uh, what not to do. Cause you're, you're right. 
Um, and so I think the I old tactics that. that used to work, they don't work anymore. And they certainly don't work with a lot of women. And we have so many, women, right. you know, women business leaders. And we're just like, eh, my gut says mm-hmm. you're a creeper and you're going in the trash because I would rather work so, with someone that's authentic. Let's go down a rabbit hole real quick. You mentioned LinkedIn. And I personally, I mean, between, um, uh, you know, Vision 33, between the podcast with my, the podcast is an LLC and we have our small little coffee company, Dead House Coffee. But between that and Vision 33, uh, I mean, Vision 33 is like the world leader for SAP Business One. We're number one globally every single year, and we're a very hot target. And with me running the Northeast as the executive that owns that region, I mean, I just get inundated with requests and LinkedIn. Like, I I try to stay on top of it right now, but it's like... It, it basically turned into my Gmail spam filter, it seems like. Are you getting that same feeling? Or have you, Do you feel LinkedIn has lost some value in the messages? I think there are people that are, they're still doing that old school DMing that used to work. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, you know, I I get I look at a lot of stuff and I see a lot of stuff that's out there and I see what people are teaching and there's a lot of stuff that's doing it wrong. That's why the personal branding and sharing your expertise and helping people actually works because people can know, like, and trust you. Some rando that sends you an in-mail, uh, you know, why why am I going to go get on a sales call with you? So I just think that, that I think the world is changing. I think these people that that is their tactic. They don't know what else to do. They haven't worked on their brand. They don't, you know, they're trying to, this isn't working anymore. So they're going to panic and trying to find the next job. It's like the people that are actively like, this is what they do. And they're working on their personal brand and they're, they're building that no like and trust factor. They're not going to have the same issues, but yeah, those type of, sleazy sales tactics they just don't work anymore what one of the things that one of the sayings that i have and this is exactly why i started the podcast is networking pre-pandemic it worked for me okay like i met a lot of great contacts met a lot of great people but it was always kind of finding a needle in a haystack. So when I was living out in LA, uh, and I, do you know the city club at all? Have you ever been there? Mm-hmm. I've heard. Yeah. Okay. I love the city club. So I used to put on these, uh, I'll call them Epic. They were Epic luncheons out there and they would be the anti-luncheon. We would get your non-traditional speakers. So we wouldn't get Tony Robinish type people. We would get the anti-Tony Robinish. That tells you pretty much the same thing, but they're going to tell you the down in the gutters in the trenches fighting you know scrapping for everything that they ever got story which connected with people a lot more than the the picture perfect story but i've always lived by the philosophy that instead of looking for a needle in a haystack 
it's better just to be a damn magnet and bring all those needles to you. And that's why I did those events. That's why I do this podcast because I've met more valuable people with 136 podcast episodes that will have really good relationships with me probably for the next decade, if not more, throughout both of our careers than I have with all the single networking events that I've done in my career. I mean, you think there's validity to that? I actually, funny, on my podcast, I actually just uh, interviewed somebody who was talking about, about networking and the value of networking. So I do think that networking has a lot of value. Um, I just, I, I think your podcast is networking. There's so many ways you're, if you're meeting new people and you're broadening your horizon, uh, you're broadening, broadening your horizon. I think that that is a really great thing. So I definitely, um, you know, I, I personally have been doing a lot of essentially online networking. I belong to a lot of groups and I've been connecting with people that way that I feel like, okay, there's like a, a pretty cool connection. Let's, you know, kind of chat and that sort of thing. And I think, one of the biggest things that I learned from this podcast interview was that so many people go into it with this kind of like transactional mentality, right? I'm going to go into this room and I want, I want something, I'm going to meet you and we're going to make magic happen because you're going to introduce me to this and I'm going to do this thing and you do the transaction and it's done. I used to be the biggest offender of that. I'll admit it took me a long time to learn how to network. Yeah. So she was saying that the, one of the biggest keys is building relationships and you are talking about in this podcast, you're building relationships. So those are the ways you're, you're feeding this relationship you're giving they're giving and it's that's what builds it rather than actually you know if, you, if it's transactional there's a transaction that happens and maybe somebody drops the ball and that totally sucks if you're on the you know the opposite end of that but that's that those don't work that's not a really good network so the really good networking and building your network is going to be these relationship building um exercises so i think that is is where, where, you know, you kind of lean, lean into that. And unfortunately you'll meet those transactional people, but then you're like, okay, I kind of, I know where you are and you kind of move on. Like I was saying, I, I used to be like that. I never really had a mentor that taught me how to network or how to do it properly. So I always thought that it was going to be this transactional thing. Like in my head, I thought, well, this is how networking works. This is how everybody does it. And it, it, it took me a while, but I eventually realized on my own that like, uh, dude, this isn't working. Like, uh, why don't you just try making friendships? And if you go into an event, like, Hey, let's make three friends that, uh, maybe they end up having business, but you have similar interests or whatever. Maybe you don't, but they end up being a good lifelong friend. Um, and once I went in with that mentality, the whole aspect of everything just totally, totally changed. And then many, uh, many years later, I ended up reading and I've told this story a couple times on the podcast already. So I won't you know, get into huge detail now, but I read the book, The Little Red Book of Selling. Have you ever seen that? It's by Jeffrey Gittimer. It's been out for, I don't know, a couple decades, I think. Uh, it, it's not the freshest book, but it's still very valuable. And in that book, it says, what is the best way to get new leads? Because every sales rep is like, you know, their biggest challenge is, leads 
getting more leads, getting more leads. And his answer, two words, free speech. And he defines free speech as not like you think in the Constitution of the United States of the First Amendment, but he defines free speech as in speaking every single place you can. Um, and, you know, because whether it's a small little community organization, Better Business Bureau, a Chamber of Commerce, whatever it is, once you're up there as a speaker, two things happen. One, it's kind of like getting a blue check mark on Twitter. You're validated because if they have you up on stage, you're a subject matter expert. You're an SME in what you're speaking on. And number two, the people there are interested in your topic. That's why they're attending the event. So as long as you don't totally bomb on your speech, and that's a whole other subject that takes practice of doing, but as long as you deliver an effective message that connects with the people, afterwards, you should have some people coming to you to get follow-up, and that is going to be the best source of leads that you can get. And that's ultimately what influenced me once I realized that I could no longer do my live events. That's what influenced me to be like, okay, well, I can't do the anti-luncheons anymore. And the, the anti-luncheons were pretty cool. We used to serve chocolate cake for appetizer, uh, then ended with a dessert salad. And we'd have people like William Hung, who's been on this show. We've had the verb pipe. Uh, we had a lot of really, really awesome speakers on that show. Um, and in fact, it's crazy because one of the women that we had as a guest on this show I like we've never personally met, but she actually went to all three of my executive luncheons out in L.A. And then I coincidentally small world just got her as a guest and I was telling her about she's like, hold on. I think I was at your events and it, it was pretty cool. But, you know, that's what I believe that that's that's my philosophy. And it sounds like you kind of believe that, too, because you're going through your, your podcast. Have you found that to be again in a covid era? Have you found that to be kind of like the magnet that allows you to 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 bring those needles to you, to allow you to be able to network? effectively meet new people, meet interesting people, and also achieve personal and professional growth with the experts that you're talking to. I mean, definitely. I mean, just me quoting the podcast that I, that I recorded um, today. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I had somebody on there, we were talking about the, the importance of how you speak. And I, I don't know if oh, you yeah. notice, I've been drinking water. She mentioned that many of us do not take care of our voices and that we mm -hmm. should drink water to make sure. So just stuff like that, that you just don't who, really think who about. Who was your speaker? Who name, um, name drop? Was, um, I, I cannot remember her last name, but it was Brienne. Brienne um, I cannot remember her last name, but yeah, she is a, like a, a vocal coach. Okay. Know, she doesn't really work with, she doesn't work with uh, singers or anything like that, but she um, actually helps you know, speakers and everybody in kind of this zoom world, because I mean, I know for me, I think I've been on zoom today, probably about five hours. 
Um, so when you are constantly speaking, she's like, most people don't really think about the fact that they're essentially a vocal athlete. <laughs> That's true. We had Cynthia Zai, who is a world-renowned vocal coach as well, too, and TEDx speaker, all that stuff. And she's been on the show. She's actually a fan of the show. A lot of her guests are people that have actually watched the show, and then they emailed me like, hey, David, interview me. And she was one of those people and uh, she said a lot of the the same things you did you know like the tone the accent uh, once I interviewed her that's kind of when it clicked in my head too like my sales reps need to make sure they have their cameras on like I have an older sales rep very old school didn't like putting his camera on pre-covid now he has it on every single call. And it was, you know, it took a little bit to happen. But um, we I are- I think we're all used to that at this point. We're all used to being on camera yeah. all the time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's, it's a different world. So I have one more question, then we're going to get all your information for you, okay? Um, appreciate the extra time. You're definitely, hey, this has been a great discussion. So when we have great discussions, I don't mind going long. So I want to ask you, why? ignoring your personal brand can really negatively affect your ROI? Uh, because you're not going to attract the things that you want. And that's just it. You won't get that job. You won't get that promotion. You won't get those clients. And, and the worst part is you could, you could, you know, you know, not detract them. You know, like, you know, you won't attract, they'll be like, no, you're going to repel these people. Um, and one of the things that I, I think it's interesting. So there's a lot of people and they're always like, oh, I'm going to do ads. Ads are going to be the key to me boosting, um, you know, leads and doing all these things. Well, if anyone's run ads, YouTube ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, whatever, everybody kind of knows that you have your, your actual click through and then you have your view through. So people actually clicked your ad, went to your landing page and, and went through and bought. Or a lot of times what people will do is they'll open up a new tab, they'll do a Google search on you. And what are they going to find? So if they don't, if they don't find what they want to find. If you, yeah, your ad's really slick, but your personal brand sucks. Right. You're not going to get that. You, but the, the worst part is, is that you will have informed them that they have a problem that needs fixing through your ad. And now they're going to go find somebody else, your competitor. So you're going to lose that sale. Yeah. So that's how it affects your ROI. You know, the one thing that you threw in there that I think people need to be more vigilant about is you said your promotion, okay? A lot of people don't think about it in terms of their employment, I think. I think they think about it more in terms they have choice. of- your, your employer has a choice. If there's, if there's if you or someone else, I mean, your personal brand isn't just what you're putting out there online and things like that, but it's so, yeah, it's, it's how you show up. It's how you, how professional you are. It is kind of this relationship building, right? Is someone building a relationship? There's so many things that go into the personal branding. And if your personal brand sucks, then yeah, you're going to, you're going to actually promote the person that has a better brand. Excellent. So, hey, this has been amazing. Have you had fun? I have. Thank you. Yeah. You survived great. being checkmate for like a whole hour. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so one, one last final thing. Where can people digitally and everybody out there, I'm stressing digitally, stalk you at? Yeah. So you can find me at clairebond.com and you will find 
tons of blogs. If you have questions about personal branding, I literally laid out for you. You can find me on all social media channels at Claire Bond, um, YouTube, Instagram, I have everything. And that's where you can find me. So clairebond.com. Um, C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-H-N.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. So very grateful that you came on the yeah. show, Claire. Thank this you has for been amazing. And you know, a year from now, hopefully we'll be totally past this pandemic. I mm. 100% absolutely look forward to kind of getting you back on here just to talk to. about how personal branding evolves in a truly post covid world because right now mm -hmm. i think we're kind of like in a hybrid covid yeah. world okay thank you very much and yeah uh, thank you yeah and I'll, appreciate I'll all look the forward to coming back yeah cheers <laughs> wow that was such an incredible chat with claire right first you all know the routine if you found this interview helpful if it sparked those warm and fuzzies do me a favor Hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret out there in the world of business, please share us out to your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, your family. Share us out wherever you dwell on the interwebs, whether it's Rumble, whether it's Minds, whether it's Facebook, Odyssey. Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you are, share us out there. Help us grow. Help us inspire more people like you because experts like Claire, they're rare. Listen to their knowledge, their experience. They're there to help you grow personally, to help you grow professionally, and most importantly, to help you grow your business. I'd love to see nothing more than Claire and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now, speaking of Claire, let's get back to our rock star guest, okay? These days, personal brands are everything. In fact, I was just having this exact chat with one of my sales reps today, literally, as I record this outro segment. He didn't see the value of posting things on social media and is kind of one of those anti-social media type people. Yeah, he's got LinkedIn, but that's about it. Very generic. And you know what? Honestly, I respect that. But I also told him, look, you don't need to have a personal account, but you should have a personal business account. I mean, that is something I feel every business professional should have. That means, for example, you have a Facebook page set up in your name as a business professional and that you're posting things of value for your audience to see. So again, I'll use myself as an example. You go to facebook.com slash probably David Strausser, um, and you're going to get to my personal Facebook profile. Now, I don't accept anybody as my friend on that. I only accept people that I know personally. Yeah, I got a couple thousand friends there, but they're all people that I have met or worked with 
throughout the course of my life, okay? Now, on the other hand, if you go to facebook.com slash David Strausser Biz, that's my personal, uh, professional business page. That's David Strausser, the business professional, the Forbes uh, Biz Dev Council member, Forbes contributor, writer, podcast host that anybody can follow to get updates. That's what you should be setting up and posting things that are value, again, for your audience to be able to see that you're posting, you know, blog posts or media pieces or whatever it may be that's a value that shows that indeed you are an expert in the business that you are working in. If you don't want to do that, I mean, realistically, people won't have a clue who you are. I know whenever I go to make a purchase, okay, straight up, I'm Googling you. Whether I'm doing a car purchase or I'm going to buy a PC purchase, I'm Googling it. Okay, if I go to Best Buy or Walmart, I'm not going to be Googling Gary G at Walmart, okay? I, you know, I have limits of who I Google, believe it or not. But when I do go to do a higher end sales deal and there's a sales rep involved, again, probably with car purchases or something of that nature or higher, I'm going to be Googling the sales rep to find out about them, to find out who they are, to find out what other people say about them. And sometimes I end up with just a generic LinkedIn profile. That's a bummer because it could be the difference whether or not you get the sale because if I'm looking at you compared to another sales rep and that other sales rep ends up having a full-blown e-portfolio that shows all their expertise and basically lays out why I should purchase off them, guess who's going to get the sale from me? Even if it's a car. Okay, I'm going to go with the person who gives me the world, the warm and fuzzies that will make a world of difference. It will make me feel confident who I'm purchasing off of because every single dollar I have, I have had to work for oftentimes fighting tooth and nail to earn that dollar, you know, whether it's from the podcast or whether it's from my day job at Vision 33. So I spend my money wisely and I really choose who am I going to invest in when I make a purchase. Claire, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Awesome stuff. As always, please make sure you check out Claire's business. We'll have the links down below in the description. As always, question of the day is personal branding your thing or is it too much extra work? Leave a comment down below on YouTube or Rumble or Minds or wherever you're watching this episode at. I'd love to hear your opinion. Remember, if you want to be on the show, please do me a favor. Shoot an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. We are totally booked for this year, but I'll tell you a secret, okay? 
um, I might get in trouble for telling you this secret, but I'm going to tell you this secret. We are launching a live show. We are going to have a live stream. Now, it is not going to be Shark Bite Biz Live. It's not going to be the dream I had with that. But it's going to be called something like Tech Biz Odeed. And it is going to be tech and business news overdose. But Odeed actually stands for Odata and David, which you may recall Odata Pine, who was a previous guest on this very podcast. We're going to be launching a live stream together. So I am so excited about that. We're going to focus probably on three tech or business news stories uh, each and every other week, as well as one live stream um, interview that's going to happen on air. We've got a very fun show planned out. We're working throughout the, all, all the details, hoping to launch it sometime, probably May or June-ish around that time. Um, more details will follow as we get closer to that. But again, send your info, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com, and you will get on the list for either the live stream or this very show. Also, if you're watching on YouTube uh, or Odyssey or Rumble or Minds, please click the join button. You can join for as little as $3 a month. You can become a baby shark and support this very channel. But if not, you know, not everybody wants to give money through big tech. Don't worry. We got you covered. You can get the freshest coffee known on earth. You can get deadhousecoffee.com. Don't wake up and be a zombie. Get back to life. Get coffee that is roasted, sealed, and shipped within a 24-hour period. Go to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off of your order. We'll get all the proceeds. Helps us build this show and the live stream that we're going to be producing. And you all know this by now, but I'll say it once again. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 